Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. That would be me. I'm awfully glad to be joined in studio by John and Pam Bloom in this hour. We call this Deep Thinker Tuesday. We normally call it Deep Thinker Thursday, but I'm looking at my calendar and it's not Thursday. So we're very glad to have them here in studio. Uh, They're quite, uh, they call themselves quite imperfect, but unashamed disciples of Jesus who are seeking to more and more fulfill what Jesus said are the two greatest commandments. And the strength of God supplies as they try to walk by the Spirit alongside the brothers and sisters in their local church. Every time they come in, I feel like we do church, which is great. We're going to talk about having mercy on those who doubt. Are you a doubter? Do you have doubts? And do you struggle with doubts? I know many of you do because I hear from you often. So I want you to uh, turn up the volume and get out a notepad. And we're going, to, we're going to learn a lot in this hour. You're certainly welcome to ask questions throughout the hour. If you hear anything that you'd like clarification on or you've got a question yourself you'd like John and Pam to address when it comes to doubts, let us know. 877-933-2484. So 60 seconds from now, we'll bring them on. Every day, pastors across our communities are preparing messages, leading their churches, and ministering effectively in Jesus' name. I'm Neil Staven. This month is Clergy Appreciation Month, and here at Faith Radio, we're taking the opportunity to say thanks to the thousands of pastors within our signal reach who keep the light of Christ shining in their congregations and communities. Thanks to these devoted servants, the gospel is being taught, and families are being impacted for good, and lives are being changed. So thank you, Pastor, from all of us at Faith Radio. Hi, this is Jim Daly from Focus on the Family. As we celebrate Pastor Appreciation Month, we're reminded of the daily pressures on pastors and their families. Research verifies that over time, these daily stresses take their toll on these servants, often bringing discouragement, frustration, and even depression. We may have no idea of the tremendous pressures and loneliness they may be experiencing. So take an opportunity to send a special note of appreciation and love to your pastors this month. And remember to pray for them every day. It is time to get the blooms on. We're going to talk about doubts, and Pam just mentioned to me at the break. If you don't have doubts, you want to make sure you stay and listen because you're going to get some great wisdom today as to how to help people who do have doubts. So it's going to be a wonderful hour. Uh, John, of course, is a, a co-founder of DesiringGod.org and his wife, Pam. They have uh, five kids, and they love living here in the cities. We get them on once a month. We call it Deep Thinker Thursday, but... This is the first time they've been here on a Tuesday, and I'm just as happy that they're here on a Tuesday. John, Pam, nice to see you. Great to be here. Yeah. So as I'm looking at Matthew 28, um, okay, after receiving the Great Commission, the 11 disciples see Jesus after the resurrection, and it says that they worshiped, but some doubted. Come on. How would you doubt at that point? That's a good question. But... um... I think it's understandable. I mean, I, I think it's eminently reasonable that they experience doubts then because, um, you know, we, we, 
just think about what they had been experiencing. Um, you know, they, they had been following Jesus. They, they saw things during his earthly ministry that, that was, you know, blew their minds. They, they struggled with lots of doubts during, during his earthly ministry. Then he went, went through the whole trial. They didn't, um, they really didn't understand, even though Jesus had been trying to tell them what was going to happen, they didn't really understand. They didn't have a paradigm yet for a Messiah who would be crucified and then rise from the dead. And so all those things looked, it just looked like it was wrong when it was happening and it was surreal. They saw him die and then they experienced the resurrection, but, but the a resurrection for them would have been ex- as weird as it was for anybody else because people just don't rise again from the dead. And so you have to ask yourself, like, is this all real? Is what's, what is going on here? Am I, am I just, is this, I mean, I just find it comforting that the disciples went through doubt because I think any reasonable human being who experienced what they experienced would doubt, even though you saw remarkable things happen in front of your eyes. So we're cutting them some slack, despite the fact they were, were with Jesus for three years. They saw him die on the cross, and then they for sure thought he is resurrected from the grave. Here he is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... They got a lot to process, don't they? Well, it's it's a lot. And, um, you know, the the, the claims of... You know the Christian faith are huge claims, and so um, I, I find it. I'm grateful that that's there because if we didn't see evidence of doubting in 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 the stories themselves, and the and the and the stories in through the Gospels are laced with the disciples doubting, and other people doubting. You know, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? Jesus would ask at different mm-hmm. times. Where is your faith? And um, and you know we. we 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 see <laughs> one of the most interesting people. We all know D- Thomas. Thomas kind of gets a, I think, a, a little bit of a bad rap being called doubting Thomas because of what happened to him. But um, but I'm <laughs> I'm grateful for the story of Thomas because we've got, you know, we have he he for for some reason he wasn't present when Jesus appears to the other 11, he's somewhere else. We don't know where he is. And this is in the, in the, in John's gospel, we, we find this out. And, um, but he's, he doesn't witness these things. And then he has all his friends tell him that they've seen the risen Jesus. And he says, you know, unless I put my finger into his hands and, and my hand into his side, I will never believe that. Now, he's got all the rest of his friends, trusted friends, credible friends, have said, no, we've seen him. He's he's, semi-hysterical, though, because they're so excited. And maybe Thomas is bringing a little sanity to the situation. You know, we we try to figure out exactly what's going on there. Um, We we don't know. All we we really know from John chapter 20 is Thomas is like, you know, I don't know what what you guys saw. All I know is this. You know, I, I watched a man die. Dead people don't really come back to life, and um, unless I see it with my own eyes, I'm mm-hmm. not going to. I'm not going to believe. And so, um, he 
his doubt is comforting, I think, to a lot of us who struggle with intellectual questions or experiential questions, and we see that Jesus had had mercy on him. Um, and there's different kinds of, of mercy. And, and I wrote an article called Have Mercy on Those Who Doubt. And I get that from the book of Jude. Uh, because Jude says, you know, have mercy. In, in his very closing remarks of, of his one chapter little book, his letter, is, he says, have mercy on those who doubt. And so um, we... <laughs> We need to have mercy on those who doubt because, number one, we all go through different kinds of doubts. And number two, we are going to have friends who go through different kinds of doubts. And, and these things happen at different times in different phases of life for different reasons. And people doubt for different reasons. And there are different kinds of doubts that are addressed in the Bible. And so I'm grateful I'm grateful for, for Thomas. I'm grateful for the other failures of faith because we are in good company when we find our faith weak. Mm-hmm. I think we should all, always call him Believing Thomas because he sees Christ and sees Jesus, and Jesus says, put your finger here, see my hands. Yeah. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. He does. He, and, he, he does. But, but what we see is Jesus having a particular kind of mercy on him. Yeah, totally. It's beautiful. I love it. All right. Um, can I just add, like, doesn't this even give us permission to doubt for a time? Like, just to be honest, I think something in my upbringing or in in my experience gives me the feeling like, don't admit doubt because that would be unbelief and you can't talk about that. But to, you know, in our conversations, you've been really open about this is where I'm, something doesn't seem plausible or this is a doubt in and it's actually I've watched how that's been a good process for you and how God has used it, and maybe it's not something to to squelch, but to really not be afraid to process with a friend and with our Bibles open. Like I've got yep. this serious question, I shouldn't deny it. Like if you've got an anger or got a fear, it, to probe it and find out like wh- why am I even afraid? Well, I have to admit I'm afraid to figure out what's the root of that. What is the root of this anger? That's more exposing than to say, well, I'm not angry. I can't, I can't talk about that. Yep. That's good. I mean, yeah, if we have doubts, nagging doubt, you know, not just the occasional things that kind of flow through your head, but ones that are, are persistent. What that, what that means is we do have something that we have to take a look at. We have to ask questions of those, of those doubts. We can't run away from them. Doubt is not something to, to fear. It, it is a part of faith. Okay. We see that now. Um, you, you know, we, we've got, you got Jude who, who is Jesus half brother who says, you know, have mercy on those who doubt. And then you got his, his brother, James, who says some pretty hard things about doubt in the, in, in, uh, in chapter one of the book of James, you know, that no one, you know, who doubts thinks he's going to receive anything from the Lord. But what we, what we see is the the disciples are all weak in faith in at different in different ways at different times. God has various kinds of mercy on them, and God is calling us to faith. But he, he what we see Jesus doing is often thrusting the disciples into 
into a place where their weak faith is exposed, and then he exposes them, and he calls them to trust him in, in new and deeper ways. And so what, when we are faced with doubt, we don't run away. We don't, we don't say, oh, I'm not, I'm not doubting, I'm not doubting, I'm not doubting, I can't doubt, 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 you know, out of fear. Or we don't, we don't just, we don't want to close it up in some secret place and pretend in front of others that we don't have those things. There are things that need to be dealt with. And, we, and one of the ways we can have mercy on those who doubt is being willing to, to listen to them and walk through. A person's doubts often are not something that just are going to be answered with some sort of easy question. Sometimes it's a, and often, it's a process. You got to press through. It's going to take a while for that weak part of faith to, to, to have some of those questions reasonably answered, right? We, we should not uh, um Embrace. It's not wise to embrace things for which we do not have reasonable cause to embrace. I like. John and Pam Bloom are in studio. We're going to continue our discussion. So we're going to take a little break when we come back. If you have any questions about doubts, maybe you've got one yourself and you'd like us to explore it, pray for you. Let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. Be right back. talking about doubt today with John and Pam Bloom. John, of course, you know him as the co-founder of DesiringGod.org, and we are regular with the Blooms, and we call it Deep Thinker Thursday, but it's Tuesday today. So let's get back to the maybe the three different ways Jesus has shown mercy to doubters. We we touched on Thomas a little bit, but I know there's there are others. Yeah, so... Um, these are just three examples of numerous times that... that, that Jesus or, you know, God the Father has, has mercy on those who doubt. They don't cover all the kinds of doubts that, that exist, uh, but in the, in the Greek language there are numerous terms that the Bible uses for, especially in the New Testament, uh, for doubt. Um, they're, they're all related, but, they're, but they have different flavors, and that's because they're, people are different. Um, people's experience and backgrounds are different. People's temperaments are different are different. And so doubt has different kinds of flavors and different kinds of ways. And so let's just look at three, three examples from um, the New Testament. One interesting example is John the Baptist. And, and, and I don't think a lot of people maybe catch this uh, when, when they're reading the Gospels. Um, but John the Baptist is one of those unique examples of, of doubt where... Um, you know, we know that in utero, before John the Baptist even really is conscious and knows who Jesus is, he leaps in his mother's womb at the presence of Jesus, who's just this teeny, teeny <laughs> embryo. Right. Know? Um, but John the Baptist himself doesn't know who Jesus is until he shows up on the scene. We know that because of the book of John. 
He says, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said, he upon whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is the son of God. So when that happens is when he really realizes it's Jesus, his relative. <laughs> um, but he's had these, these interactions with God. He's testifying to Jesus. He's the one who says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's pointing people to him. Then he confronts Herod, gets thrown into prison. And uh, what we see is, and this, this, is hap- this happens in Matthew chapter 11. So, so you got John the Baptist in prison now. And you can imagine, when we are, when we are isolated, where we're, when we're in a deep, dark place, that we are vulnerable to all kinds of doubts. And John the Baptist seems to be suffering from doubts about, if, did he get his call wrong? I mean, he's got one call, right? You are the forerunner. You are, you are the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And now he's alone. And, he's, and what Jesus is doing, I don't think, is matching what his own expectations were. So he sends word to him through his, his disciples and to say, are, are you the one that we expect or should we look for somebody else? Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Which means he's suffering from doubts. Mm-hmm. Did I get this right? Are, are you the one? And then Jesus has a kind of mercy on him. So he tells his disciples, okay, sit here. And then Jesus, you know, he, he heals blind and, and you know, he, he performs some wonders and he, and he preaches the gospel. And he says, okay, now you guys go tell John that, you know, the blind are healed, the lame walk, you know, the deaf hear. Mm-hmm. And the poor have the gospel preached to him, preached them, and blessed are those, blessed is the one who does not stumble over me. Um, he's quoting from Isaiah there. He does not finish Isaiah's, that, that quote from Isaiah, which is, and proclaim freedom from the captives, <laughs> which is a particular mercy to John, because John isn't getting out of that, that prison alive. Um, he's going to die. But Jesus has mercy on him. Like, John, trust me. I know I don't look like the person you expected. And that is, that is often um, a source of, of doubt. Jesus doesn't necessarily look or sometimes act in ways that we expect and we just doubt. Did we get this right or are we wrong? And Jesus has mercy. That's, will, a, that's a really tough moment, isn't it? John the Baptist in prison moment. going, did we get this right? Is, mm-hmm. is he the one? Right. First time I really, that resonated with me, I thought, that is really vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. He's very humble. Yeah. Are you the right one? He's not saying, hey, can you come get me out? Look at all this good stuff I've done on your behalf. No. He's saying, are you did the I one? Get it, did I get yeah. it right? Yeah. That's yeah. powerful. Did I get it right? Did I get this right, Lord? And the Lord sends help. And it's worth lingering on that last phrase, that blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Mm-hmm. Because there are many experiences in life examples in the bible that don't seem to match up that can be offensive like it is that what god's like and he's calling us to not be offended by him yeah to trust him that his ways are, are higher they're complex we have to say i i don't get why you're doing it this way and you did have a listener that you mentioned over the break who had a question about there seems to be a discrepancy between the way God is presented in the Old Testament because of the judgments that he would bring mm-hmm. upon people and then the way Jesus present, is presented in the New Testament. And I would just say um, Jesus comes as a, 
as this messenger of the grace of God, but he is not uh, he is not different in nature from the person of the Old Testament. And the reason we know that is is we there are things there are very hard things that Jesus says. So, for instance, he looks back and he says. Um, to some of the towns that he had visited in which he had done some of his signs, you know, Capernaum, uh, Chorazin, uh, other other towns. And he says, woe to you. Um, woe to you, you know, Capernaum. Woe to you, Chorazin. If the, if, if the deeds done in you had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. It will be better for them in the day of judgment than it is for you. So, he is letting them know, like, there's judgment coming. Mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus, and, and in the Old Testament, there, was, there were um, usually centuries that passed um, before God would bring judgment upon a people. Um, God is very merciful, but he's bringing judgment. He is bringing judgment on, on all of humanity. I mean, like, like... It's not just towns. It's not just cities. It's not just whatever, tribes. It's all people. All have sinned and all will die and all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and, and face the judgment. But the, but the mercy of God, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, um, the exact imprint of his nature. And so if we want to know what God is really like, we look at Jesus. That's what he's really like. That's his disposition. His invitation to come and, and, and to receive forgiveness, to receive pardon and escape from the wrath of God. Um, but Jesus' Jesus' pronouncements of judgment are not unlike the pronouncements of judgment in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So Jesus showed great mercy to John, great mercy to Thomas. There's someone else that he showed great mercy to? Yeah, so we, there's, there's Peter. Regarding doubt, Peter, mm-hmm. So Peter, we know um, in Matthew chapter 14, Peter, this is when they're on the, on the, the uh, Sea of Galilee and the storm comes and Jesus walks on water. And Peter says, Lord, if this is you, call me out to walk on water with you. And so Jesus invites him. And, and so this is, so Peter gets out, he starts walking on water and then he starts to sink because he realizes what a strange experience this is. People don't walk on water. And so, and so he starts to doubt. He starts looking at the waves like, ah. And Jesus, Jesus is, is holding him up. And Jesus is, starts letting him sink. And the reason we know that is because, you know, if, if any of us try to walk on water, we sink like, a, like immediately, right? <laughs> but, mm-hmm. it, but, but the way the story reads is, is, he, is he begins to sink. And he drops into the, starts, starts sinking into the water. And then he says, oh, Lord, help me. I'm, you know, I'm starting to sink. And Jesus says, reaches out his hand and says, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And so he, I think we have to take a break. So I think we do. But we'll, you, can, we'll, you, can you hold that? We will thought? finish that thought when we're back. Awesome. John and Pam Bloomer in studio. We're talking about doubt. Don't go anywhere, John. We'll complete that thought. Make a note of where you were in that I thought, John. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> on Faith Radio.
John and Pam Bloom are my guests. We're talking about doubt. And John, you had this brilliant thought. I sort of cut you off when we went to break. I insisted that you remember where you left off. Okay, so we were talking about Peter. Yes. We're talking about three different kinds of, of ways that Jesus has mercy on those who doubt, just illustrated from, from the Gospels. And so we talked, about, we talked about John the Baptist. And Jesus had a merciful kindness toward this man who was in prison being assaulted by, what if I got my calling wrong? Which is not an unusual experience for us when we are like in, like we might, we, maybe we have a terminal illness or, or, or something like that. And we're just like, did I, is it, did I, did I get it right? Or did, am I, you know, did I believe right? Did I, and Jesus has merciful kindness. He does not bruise, break a bruised reed. Now with Peter, Peter's being asked to trust Jesus for something for in a, in a moment of, of ministry, and he's being prepared for ministry. And so he's walking on the water, then he has doubts, he sinks, Jesus reaches for him, pulls him up and says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And I call that merciful disappointment, all right? Mm-hmm. And because and, he's got a purpose in that. He's training Peter because he wants this moment to imprint upon Peter and the other disciples who are watching him and those of us who are reading it. That he's imprinting on on him the danger of transferring his trust um, from the power of the word, right? So Jesus' word, come out, come out, follow me, come out on the water, I will hold you up, um, to the power of the world. So so that was what happening with Peter. He he was looking at Jesus while he was looking at Jesus and trusting him. He was fine. When he when his eyes got distracted off, he started to sink. Which is, a, which is both something that happened to him and a great metaphor for us because that often happens. Our eyes go from Jesus to the, to the world and, and it's not trustworthy. And we go like, ah, this is crazy. <laughs> and we start to sink. And what Jesus wants is for us, and oftentimes in those moments, what he does, he allows us to go through that sinking time and it helps imprint upon us, don't trust those perceptions. You've got to trust my promises. My promises are stronger than your perceptions, though your perceptions look compelling at the time of the storm. And so he's got, so he has this merciful disappointment in Peter to help Peter prepare for a life of faith. And he knows how to deal with us too. So then we have the third person we've already talked about, which is Thomas. All right. And with Thomas, I say that Jesus responded with merciful delay. Because what he did was Thomas is like, I'm not, you know, unless I, unless I see for myself, I'm never going to believe. And then what, <laughs> what happens is there's like, there's this eight day period of time when he's the only one who hasn't seen him. And he's stuck there for that period of time. Mm-hmm. And it must've been a scary time. And he must've been like, oh my gosh, you know, like, is he really not going to show? Maybe. Maybe I'm never going to ever get out of this. Maybe I'm just, I've disqualified myself. Jesus has a merciful delay. He allows him to sit in his unbelief for eight miserable, lonely, probably scary days. And then at the right time, Jesus appears to him and says, do not disbelieve Thomas, but believe. So he knows how to deal silently and for how long with doubts that assault us when for whatever reason, we have elevated our own wisdom above God's wisdom. 
And Peter was dealing with his own pain of having Jesus die. So he could have been incredibly sad, mourning, depressed. Yeah. yeah. And, yet, and yet Jesus shows up with such tender mercies with him. It's beautiful. So those are the three that I say. I like. There's, there's, there's mer- he's, he deals with merciful kindness with John the Baptist. He deals with merci- He deals in merciful disappointment with Peter. He deals with merciful delay with Thomas, all for different reasons, because their doubts and, and fears are coming from different places, and he's got different ways to handle those. Those and so I just use those. They're, those are, it's not exhaustive. They're just illustrations mm-hmm. of different ways that Jesus responds to different people's doubts, depending on what what's prompting them. And isn't that insightful when we watch Jesus deal with that, um, be comfortable with that delay and allow it? And it, it kind of gives us a, an understanding to be patient and and not expect if you're watching someone in doubt, like, well, if, if I just could help them see what I see, what I'm believing, they could get over that. But it's okay to live with some tension and a to be slow to speak and quick to listen to someone in doubt and not too quick to want to rescue them. Like Jesus is very able and to be patient, be present, listen without trying to fix. Yep. Yeah, because whatever conversations happened with Thomas and the other disciples, it didn't seem to be convincing him. Um, it wasn't until Jesus moved. Now, you know, I know that prompts probably certain questions in different people's minds depending on their, ex- their uh, experience. But I will say that, you know, ultimately, it doesn't mean that we never, have, we never have conversations and we don't help. But we don't need to be Jesus to other people. We don't need to be the savior of people, other people's doubts. We're there to help. We're there to have mercy on them. And, uh, and we pray with them. We talk. We encourage them. We, we help them process. We point them to resources. We, you, know, like, like we, you do what you can. Um, but, but Jesus knows how to help those who are dealing with doubt. Now, I've, I do not talk about doubt as some sort of neat and clean academic topic. Something I, so let me just be candid. Um, when I talk about doubt, I'm talking about something that is very personal. I have been through crises of faith. Wondering, does God exist? Is this whole thing true? And and uh, and various other kinds of doubts. No, that's that's one kind. That's a serious, big, big, capital D doubt. And, on, and then other kinds. Like I, I, those those three different sorts of doubts that that were expressed there. Like, um, you know, did I get it right? You know, doubt in the midst of time of ministry that I should be trusting Jesus. Time, like, I don't know if this is all true. I've I've experienced all those and more. This is this is something I'm I'm to some degree like everybody. I think everybody to some degree has a skeptic inside of them and we all deal with doubts. There are different kinds of doubts. Some people never really doubt the existence of God. Other people do. Some people never doubt that Christianity is really true. They might doubt the character of God. Is he really merciful or is he a meanie? You know, mm-hmm. is he cruel? Um, others do wonder. And so there's all the doubt just covers the spectrum and uh, there's all we have to be merciful and walk with each other through our various kinds of doubts because they come from different temperaments and different experiences and and just the acknowledgement that that the life of faith is difficult. 
it's difficult. And so I'm wired. I'm, I'm in some ways wired to doubt, uh, partly like everybody else's and partly because I have a, probably a constitution. You know, like, like I'm, <laughs> it's probably part of the way I'm wired. I find myself having proclivities to doubt, you know, not only just religious things, but other things. You know, like, like it's part of who I am. And you have to get to know yourself. You have to get to know what's mo- like. There might be things that you just have to learn not to trust because it's part of your constitution. Just because you have questions about things doesn't even doesn't mean that those questions really have a great deal of validity. Um, you just you, we really need to get to know what kinds of things kind of happen to produce questions and doubts in us. Some of them have roots in very clear questions that we have. And those are the things we need to pursue. Other things, other kinds of doubts are things that are part of our, part of our makeup. And we need to learn how to tell ourselves to be quiet. I've watched you learn to do that. You, you are learning where you're vulnerable and practicing self-control not to ruminate on a tender spot and, and continue in spiritual disciplines when it doesn't feel like it's helpful. Right. And when to take care of your body and get enough sleep if you're prone to wake up early thinking about that thing again. And so you've described what doubt looks like for you and for someone else, for me or for someone listening. It, you might say, I don't really have doubt, but we could be very familiar with fear and anxiety, which is a form of unbelief and similar to doubt. Yes. That's right. That's great wisdom, Pam. I would love for you to say more on that because sometimes doubt is disguising and hiding as fear, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And it, we could have this whole conversation about doubt and say, well, that's not really me. But if we're honest and it just has another name and it might be more excusable, but it, it's a similar struggle. And then one that we can break the silence in and, and be expose where we're weak, where we, where we've given into a thought life that's, you know, we've got ruts that are, I'm going to fall into this fear again or fall into the doubt. And, and we repeatedly help one another with that and confess and help each other repent and bear with and remind, this is really what we believe. This is what's true. It looks and feels like this. That's not how we function. We function by faith and by eyes of faith. So John, how did you come out of your spiraling doubt phase that you were in where you thought, I don't even know if this is true or not. And now all of a sudden you're doing what you're doing and speaking with complete conviction. So can you walk us through that? And was Pam part of that journey? Well, she's been part of my, my journey because, you know, we started dating as high schoolers. And, uh, and so she's walked with me through various kinds of, of, of different seasons of spiritual darkness, um, the you know there's no there's no simple way to answer the question how did I come out of a crisis of faith, mm-hmm. but I I essentially um, as Pam described you know there it's a, it's it's not just one thing it's a multiple it's a it's it's a multifaceted kind of a thing where you where where you don't give up quickly on, you know, you know because, because something has ca- come in and caused you to question 
the validity. Then you, you, you press into certain things. You keep on um, you, like moving in the direction where you last had light. It's never wise to jump ship quickly because also, you know, to, in, in a panic of, of fear and unbelief and like, oh my gosh, I think this whole thing is, is not true. And you leap off and you go into some, you don't ever do that with, with rashness at all. That, you need to press in. You got to find out. You have to, you have to stick with it long enough to be asking yourself probing questions about where is this coming from? To, to be bold enough to take good, long, hard looks at, at things that are pr- prompting doubts is there credible validity? What about the times you've encountered God? What are those? You get a lot of counsel. You, you do a lot of reading. And then God helps you. Like, like you know, there, there, is a, there is a point in time, like, like for me, it wasn't like an eight-day thing like it was for Thomas. Um, and I'm not down, downplaying Thomas's time. His, his crisis was probably extreme in that eight days. Um, but I would say that that you know a prolonged season of darkness is are like, you press on, you press on, you get a lot of counsel, and then God, like, like Jesus comes. <laughs> That's the best way I can say it. He will come in His own time, in His own way. He will come. And so, I mean, that's a, that's, boy, I, I feel like that's an inadequate answer because a lot of people will find like, well, that's good for you. You know, he's not coming for me. The, the, each individual, this is why we need to have mercy on those who doubt because we need each other in our own individual situations to walk with one another through a time of doubting. And so it's not a one size fits all. It's everyone's got a unique Uh, kind of doubt experience. Very comforting. John and Pam Bloom, Deep Thinker Tuesday. We'll take a short break and be back in 90 seconds. Pam Bloom are my guests, Deep Thinker Tuesday. So, Pam, what do people need to hear that are having doubts? I would say avoid platitudes. I always try to avoid platitudes like the plague. So what do you think they need to hear? Well, I think we need to know that this is a battle. There, there's a, a scripture that I prayed for John over several years, sometimes during this doubt, and I just took it as a prompt from 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9, and I turned that into a prayer. And I anticipated, um, this was about Paul, but I think for every believer that there is an open door for effective work that's open to us in the future, and there are many adversaries. And I think these doubts of various kinds that we've talked about can be inhibitors to faith and obedience and can shut us down and block us from what God has planned for us which is effective work. And it's tools of the enemy that our adversaries work against us to shut us down. And so I think we use the sword of the spirit and use that as a, a weapon to, um, to fight lies 
we're in a spiritual battle and doubts are a, a way that the enemy plays with us and and we're not to be victims but to be victorious and so i would take us to first to um, ephesians 3 14 through 19 and you might write this down and and go to it later and turn it into prayer copy it over um maybe go to it repeatedly and it says for this reason i bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is a very familiar text. It is, as we were talking during break with Rebecca and I, when when our kids wake up in the night and they are afraid, they're not sleeping, and she was just saying the simple phrase like, it's okay, mommy loves you. And that is the father heart of God to say to us, his children, that we need to hear inside, it's okay. I know you, I see what you're struggling with, and I love you. And if that doesn't sink in, we keep reminding ourselves of that. He loves me. Do I believe that? I don't know. I don't think I deserve it. Well, that's the, that's the gospel. We don't deserve it. He loves us. It's still true. And so may we pray that and it become, until it becomes a reality that we're like, oh, I am so loved. That doubt doesn't, it's there, but it doesn't have the power it used to because I'm so aware that I'm loved. And and pray that for one another. Say, I'm, not, I'm really not feeling like I'm loved. Would you pray for me? And and maybe grow in, in that inner strength because we know we're loved. And then from Psalm 91, 14 through 16, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with a long life and satisfy him and show him my salvation. So may this be our anthem and our just, this is what is true about us. And then we'll fight lies and doubts with truth. Beautiful, Pam. Now, I've got a listener that chimed in with a question. I'll try to ask it as best I can. This is from an, another show where you weren't the guest, but it, I think it applies to this discussion. We're talking about beautiful illustrations where people were doubting, and Jesus shows this incredible mercy. So then what about people maybe at the end of life, and, you know, 91-year-old dad's laying in bed, and he's still doubting? And you go, oh, maybe he's not made himself right with Christ yet. He's still doubting. Where's the tender mercy at that point? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I think there's a, there is a mercy in, you know, if, if you've walked, it depends on, on, on the, on, you know, the person, in, person's experience. Um, if they have really never walked with Jesus, but if you get to the end and you're, and you're, like you've walked with with Jesus, you followed him, and and in those moments of of great physical pain, you know, mm-hmm. you're under all kinds of mental anguish, and you're you're just wondering, like, 
you know, maybe, 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 maybe I didn't have enough faith, or maybe I'm whatever. You, you, whatever this isn't true, and like the that does not. I would say those do not characterize the person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you're experiencing good under, distinction, ex- John. under extreme fear and extreme mental anguish is not frequently uh, a good a good indicator of what your spiritual state mm-hmm. is. Um, and I would put that in the in the realm of John the Baptist, like um, somebody who, under extreme cir- circumstances, is is just uh, did I. Get, did I get it wrong? Am I, am I, you know, am I okay? And mm-hmm. all, all that kind of stuff. Is, is that answering your question? I think a little bit. Um, I think what he meant was in in the in Revelation. If we deny Christ, it was said. It is said there will be no mercy. Well, like you know, everybody again. Like I, I don't, I don't want want to speak into a particular situation because I don't know what that situation is or the person's history. All that comes into play. Um, but if you know. I think if a person is having struggles, that's what we need to have. And those like, we're helping people die well, and it's not uncommon for people to, under extreme circumstances, to be dealing with significant doubts. And so, I wouldn't even venture to to, to speculate in a the whatever the the, right. the questioner situation is because I don't know the history of the person that he's talking we, about. We would need to go back to what if they are professing faith, if they've put their trust in Jesus, they are washed of every past, present, and future sin to say this is covered by the blood of Jesus. So if they die with a doubt, it's not the doubt that disqualifies. It's Jesus' blood and his perfect record that qualifies someone for salvation. And he is the perfect judge. So I don't know that I understand the question fully. And I probably didn't ask the question well, so I apologize to Tim if I kind of butchered that. I got a multi-text from him, and I, you know, sometimes they don't come in perfect order, so you have to sort of connect the dots. And so I think I didn't express the question well, and I think he was responding to something he heard other guests say on I a see. different show, so I'm not going to hold you accountable for something somebody else said. So I was just trying to reframe the question and make it a- applicable to this discussion. It's very merciful, Bill. Thank you so good. much. Thank you. Appreciate it's merciful that. of you guys to yeah, try and answer yeah, it. Maybe exactly. that can be followed up <laughs> off the air. Yeah. So maybe we can go to uh, a word for the, the doubters. Um, what, we, what can we tell others, again, is, is it, it's important to listen. It's important to l- let the Holy Spirit lead us and to offer as many choice words as we can, but just to be there walking through them in the process. Are you asking, um, are you kind of directing that to Pam in terms of a person who's helping uh, somebody doubt or, or addressing the doubter's Directly. I'm addressing Pam. Okay. Yeah. In a word to doubters? Yes. No, in a word to people, people who, who are yes, helping the doubters. I think it's it's understanding what is the nature of someone's doubt to be compassionate, not to be simplistic. It's complex to listen to the Holy Spirit. God, what what are you doing that I can cooperate with? What is your merciful way of rescue and escape here? What how do you want me to participate? Is there something you want me to say that would be a reminder of what's true? Do you want me to give them encouragement? Like, here is evidence of faith that I do see in you. Um, there might be multiple ways to, to minister to someone, but I think to be present, not to heap on shame, like, oh, you're, you're doubting that must, that's really bad, but 
to be compassionate, understanding, familiar with our own struggles, that we're not any better if our our doubt, our faith struggle is different. It's a common struggle. Let's go to God together in prayer. This is powerful when we pray together. Very powerful. So, Pam, you're married to a daughter. Did you suffer much yourself in the doubt department? Um, It would be different from John. I think I went through a a time of... um, struggling through assurance of faith. So that would be a form of doubt. Mm. Like, so that was resolved. And, but I think the more we talk about it, I would say, yes, I doubt, but more with fears. And I, that would be Mm -hmm. assurance of faith. We might have to tackle that one of these times on a deep thinker Thursday. Maybe we've already done that. My memory is really bad. <laughs> Mine too. Mine too. I yeah. remember. So let me just say a closing word here to, to, to those who doubt. So if you want to know a little bit more about my story, on the DesiringGod.org site, you can just type in the search window, um, Dark Night of the Soul, and that will bring up, you know, one of the articles that will bring up in the search results will be an article that I wrote about a year ago that, that describes that experience. Also, this summer I wrote one about being in a spiritual storm suffering from uh, what I called spiritual spatial disorientation. So, so that, that talked about that, that experience. And so um, there, I've written a lot more about my own experience in those articles. Well, I know what I'm doing tonight. I'm looking those articles up on DesiringGod.org. John and Pam, thank you so much for doing the show. Always great to be with you. Great. Thank great you. To be with you. That wraps up our show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, tuning in. And spending time with me in the afternoons and my brilliant guests. I just uh, love our time together. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.